So should I really be cross? Should Dr Ross be so disappointed that hardly any Australians tell a scientist from a hole in the wall? Or is there a reasonable case to make that it's predictable? Who better to ask than Georgina Ferry in Oxford, who writes for the journal Nature and also does biographies and has plenty of common sense? I think you need to go back a step and ask, who do people know about? And people would think you were an idiot if you didn't know about Shakespeare, for instance, or Yvonne Corley, so sports people, writers, politicians. Obviously, they know the names of politicians, they know the names of sports people, they know the names of writers, they know the names of actors. But they know the names of these people because the job that these people do entails having an audience. So the job that they do would be meaningless if there were no readers to read their books, if there were no audiences to watch their plays or to watch their sports events. And they get covered in the newspapers because they're doing these activities that have audiences. Science, and actually it's not just science, because you could say, you know, how many historians do people know the names of? It's academics. It's people who are working in academic institutions doing the job of making new intellectual discoveries that may well change the world, but while they're doing the work, it probably doesn't. They do the work, they publish it in language nobody can understand, in journals nobody reads except other people who are in the same field. So they have no need or interest in establishing a public profile. That's changed a bit with social media. So a lot of younger scientists and indeed older ones as well are pretty active on social media. And so there are some names that will become familiar, particularly when you've been through COVID, for example. There were lots of biomedical scientists out there who were expressing opinions about how the pandemic was being tackled in their countries. And, and some of them are quite a following. And I was absolutely thrilled to see at Wimbledon the person from Oxford, where we are, being applauded by 2,500 people in the centre court standing ovation. Do you remember? Oh, Sarah Gilbert, of course. Dame Sarah, Sarah, Gil Sarah Gilbert. The next thing I was coming to is what then does put scientists into the public eye is if they do something that has an immediate effect, like developing a vaccine for COVID, and then suddenly everybody wants you on their TV programme. So you're not famous because you did that piece of scientific work. You're famous because you've been on TV. You've been interviewed. You've even had a Barbie doll made of you. And so you become a public figure. And other people like Carl Sagan, who presented TV programmes, Brian Cox, there are probably examples in Australia. And they're sort of commodified in many ways. We are a personality, we are marketed, we have agents, we have a routine, we have every kind of exposure on the media. Yeah, that's exactly it. They are packaged as a media personality. But the nature of science itself doesn't require that. That's not to say that it's not important for what scientists do to be understood by the general public because the vast majority of scientists are doing work that's funded through our taxes and doing work that is going to change our lives, whether it's making improved drugs, developing AI, whatever it is, it is going to affect us in the future. And so we have a right as members of society to have some understanding of what they're doing so that we can, through our votes, express some kind of sense of whether we approve of it or not. I mean, it's that's all very tenuous. Yes, but also goes. role models. You know, if someone can be there, not just as a superpower, there's a friend of mine who's on radio quite a lot, Philip Adams, who was in charge of doing something about staying fit, an advertising campaign. And he said, don't make it a champion. 
make it an ordinary person who does well because it's part of their routine. Because if it's a superstar with five gold medals, people will think, that's out of my league, can't do it. And so what I think is quite interesting is having someone, may I name Dorothy Crowford Hodgkin, for example, <laughs> you who wrote a famous book about her. What she did, she won the Nobel Prize on her own in chemistry. Okay, she also taught Margaret Thatcher and was supposed to have been rather too demanding of that woman, uh, which turned her away from science towards the law <laughs> and the rest and so on. But the thing I found fascinating, you can correct me on this, is the way she sought out computers to be able to use in science, possibly from a tea house, lion's tea houses. Yeah, there's an awful lot wrapped up in that. I mean, first of all, you talked about superstars. I mean, unfortunately, Dorothy Hodgkin is the only British woman who's ever won a Nobel Prize for science. And so a difficulty with writing about somebody who's that kind of stratospheric is that exactly as you say, people will think, well, I could never be like that. So to what extent are they a role model? Georgina Ferry, biographer of the phenomenal Dorothy Hodgkin. More from Georgina next week as we expand that question of why bother with knowing about your local scientist.